Shalom Aleichem. Thank you, everyone, for joining and connecting. We really need to connect to each other and to be there for each other at this time. And some of us are home alone, and some of us are battling with a disease, and some of us are battling with each other. And I want to talk about those who are battling with others. It's not easy. It may seem like something foolish to focus on when there's a much bigger issue. Battling for health and life seems to be far more important and makes domestic peace seem something that's negligible. But the truth is that it's really, really, really important what's going on within our homes, including those homes which haven't been physically affected, thank God, by the coronavirus. A man goes to his rabbi and says, Rabbi, I need help. What's going on? My wife and I are yelling at each other all the time. We're yelling at each other and we don't know what to do. So the rabbi says, you know what you need to do? You need to go on a walk every day, three miles. Go walk for three miles and calm down. Okay, rabbi, I'll do that. A month later, the rabbi calls him up. What's going on? How's life? Oh, rabbi, it's great. Much calmer because I'm 90 miles away. So the question is, for those of us who are at home all day, and it's very challenging, how can we keep the peace? Husbands are home without their work, and they're just pacing and thinking, and they're sometimes like raging bulls. And a wife, a woman, a mother also needs to get out and breathe. And sometimes a woman prefers retail therapy. Now, the retail therapy may work for the wife, but at the same time for the husband, there's nothing that can raise the blood pressure of a husband like retail therapy, like his wife making extra purchases, which he doesn't know how he's going to pay for them because he's painting this black picture of not going back to work for another two and a half years. And he's thinking, how am I going to pay for all this? And this causes even more and more pressure. It is not just for couples, also between people. There's a lot of pressure and anxiety. And think about children growing up in a home where there's, where there's discord. You know, the, for a child, he needs to have that security that his home is a safe place. And if the challenge is so great that mom and dad can't handle it, so what can the child do? It, it can really tear a child apart. And I want to focus on a couple of tools that I think will be beneficial to focus on in this time because our words do make an impact. Our words go into the walls of the home, go into the heart of your spouse, go into the heart and minds of your children, and they stay there. And, they have it, and long after this virus is forgotten, those words will still be there. So, so, so it's really important what we say and how we say. Rabbi Heller, the head of the Kolel in Crown Heights, said there are many fathers, they say the right words, but the tune, the tune can kill Chas Shalom, the tune. All the money in the world cannot fix a hurt that may be caused by the wrong word. Words are free, but the pain they cause maybe aren't enough, there's, isn't not enough, there's no money in the world that can heal that pain. So, the three tools that I want to focus on today are silence, altruism, and 
trust in God. We're about to begin the book of Leviticus, the book about the sacrifices. And the book of sacrifices is focused around one item in the temple. That is the altar. The altar is the place where all the sacrifices were offered. Now, in the tractate about divorce, tractate Gittin in the Talmud, it concludes with anyone who divorces their wife, even the altar cries for that person. Now, the words of the Talmud are very precise, every word. The Talmud says the altar cries, even the altar cries. Why the altar? If the uh, keruvim, if the angel-like images in the Holy of Holies, shaped like a man and woman, if they looked sad, you would understand. If the menorah's light would suddenly be extinguished, you would understand. But here the Torah says specifically that the altar cries. Rabbi Meir Ashkenazi, he was once asked by the Rebbe to visit a couple that was not getting along and try to create understanding between them. And he was successful. And the Rebbe saw him in the middle of a Hasidic gathering, in the middle of a Fabrengen. The Rebbe called him over and the Rebbe asked him, what'd you do? What'd you say? So I, Rabbi Ashkenazi told the Rebbe, what I said was, I explained the language of the Talmud, even the altar cries. Why even the altar? Because the altar is the most hardened item in the sanctuary. The altar has sees all the flesh and blood that's burnt upon it. It sees all, it's very hardened and yet, it can't handle this. A husband and wife not getting along, it can't handle it. There's a deeper reason for the altar's tears. The, another explanation of this passage in the Talmud is that, is that only the altar cries. Why only the altar? Because the altar knows the secret that, can, that the husband and wife are clueless about. And the altar knows how to solve the issue. And the altar seeing this poor husband and wife Ruining their lives, the altar cries because the altar knows the answer. In Sefer Haboyer, which was written by Rabbi Nechuni ben Akona, it says that the word sacrifice is related to the word closeness. And that by giving, by sacrificing, that's the way to cause closeness. Sometimes people feel, if I give in, I'm showing weakness. But it's not true. The moment that you give in, you're creating a bond with your spouse. The moment you don't say those hurtful words. The words that you can't take back, you're opening a safe space in your relationship, in your marriage, and you're allowing there to be that closeness. Perhaps we can learn something from those masks that we have to wear on our faces that we have to keep some things inside of ourselves and not let them come out. Just keep some things within, keep those words within and not let them out. The author of this book I mentioned he had a very long life and he was asked, why did he merit such a long life? And he said there was three things he did. One was, I never felt good about another person's shame. Number two, I never went to bed with the curse of my friend, which means I always forgave anyone who had wronged me. And I always was, always let go. Whenever there's an, any financial issue, I always just let go. Rabbi Chunim he tells us the secret to discord between the husband and wife. The first tool is silence. The first tool is to give in and not to, when you're in a place of anger, the Talmud says, 
No peace ever comes from anger. It's a rule. You're never going to prove the point and then, oh, now I understand. Never happens. So the first tool is that the mask reminds us to just give in and not to let those words come out. Silence. That's just about what not to do. What are we supposed to do? So, and along the same lines, to give value to our spouse. There are two passages that the wisest of all men, of all men, said about marriage. One passage is, I found a woman to be more bitter than death. Marriage? Are you kidding? Better take cyanide. Jump from the roof. On the other hand, King Solomon also said, finding a woman is finding goodness. And which one is it? If you look carefully at the passage of the Talmud, he says, if I find the woman to be more bitter than death, if you're looking for yourself, you're looking for your, if your ego is central to your life, then it's not going to have a happy ending. But if you are Matzah Ish, if you find your spouse, you see your spouse, and you, get, and you let your spouse feel achievement, if you let your spouse feel appreciated, if you give that room to your spouse, then there's goodness, then it's, then it's happy, there's happiness there. It was a couple who was suffering for many years from childlessness. And there is a segula, there is a certain spiritual remedy to have a child to read the Haftorah about Chana praying for a child on Rosh Hashanah. This man came to the synagogue and he won the auction for that aliyah, and he was very happy. He's going to do the school. He's going to have the blessing for a child by singing the song of Khan. What happened was two brothers come in there, and they both say, hey, sorry, Yankel, we both have yard site today, and we both need aliyahs. We bought aliyahs, but we can't do it together because we're two brothers. Can you switch with us, and one of us will get this, and one of us will get that? He said, you know what? Me and my wife, we've tried all the schoolers in the book. We tried all the spiritual remedies in the book. There's one thing we haven't tried. That's giving in. I'm going to give in. You could take it, and you could have that aliyah. A year later, a guy comes to the synagogue, and one of the two brothers approaches him and says, my brother and I spoke about it. You could have the aliyah. The man replies, I don't need the aliyah. My wife and I were blessed with a child a month ago. By giving in and making that first move and showing appreciation for your spouse and being altruistic and putting their needs first and doing something, you know, a wise couple knows at the end of the day that after there's been some kind of discord, you make a move to give something that your spouse likes, it changes the whole dynamic. So make, being altruistic and thinking about the other person, making them the center of your life and showing them appreciation really can change the music in the house. And there's a third thing. The third thing is, Gam this will pass. And trusting in God, how with absolute faith and certainty, that as the month of Nisan entered yesterday, the month of Nisan is a month when we were redeemed from Egypt, and is the month that we will be redeemed from this present exile. It's a month of miracles and redemption, and we have to have absolute trust in God, and God will take us out of this exile. There was a couple, I heard the story from Rabbi Yossi Goldman, it's printed in the gem this week, a lot of you are not 
going to be reading the gem this week because you're not going to shul. So I'll just share with you briefly a segment of that story. Rabbi Yossi Goldman said that he and his wife, when they had their 10th child, the doctors told them that they cannot have a natural birth because their child is positioned in the wrong way. The child has to be positioned a certain way and it's vertical and horizontal. And there's no way, if they're in, she's in, the woman is in labor in South Africa and the doctors are saying, there's no way out. We have to do a cesarean. And the woman, Rabbi Goldman's wife, refuses. So the doctor, I don't know how the doctor thought of this, the doctor realized he's talking to a Hasidic couple. He says, why don't you go ask your Rebbe? It's good advice. Rabbi Goldman didn't think of it because there was no cell phones in those days, in 1991. And to reach Rebbe's office, not so simple, South Africa. But he called and he got through. And the Rebbe said, since the doctor is seeking my advice, he probably won't be upset if I tell him to listen to your wife and to wait. The baby shifted. And the baby was born healthily without any problem. The doctor said this never ever happens. And the doctor himself became an observant Jew. He, started, he was Jewish, but he started keeping Torah because he saw how, the, how things had changed in a way that only a tzaddik, only, only a blessing that comes directly from God can, can accomplish. And the baby's name is Nisan, the name of this month. The month when things shift for the good, as they did for our people in Egypt, so too will they shift for all of us. We'll all see in this month of Nisan, the month, the miracles of the Geula, the miracles of Mashiach, the miracles of good health. I want to ask everyone who is listening to please say a prayer. For David and Shoshana, Dr. Rabbi Dr. David Godes, who's on the front lines to help people and unfortunately he has this disease and he is in critical condition and he brought Hashem there was a lot of improvement last 24 hours please say more to heal him for him pray for him and have him mind this Shabbos I want to wish a happy birthday to Rabbi Gaines whose birthday is tonight and this week we're celebrating the birthdays of Yosef Morvich and Sharon Gompertz Ezra Rosen and Beryl Cohen Yisrael Meish Hakimi and Matis Ladowitz, Shavayir of Bracha, Vatzlacha, Begashmius of Ruchnitz. I also want to wish a happy anniversary to Boaz and Shana. Many happy returns this day. And may we all see Bracha and Simcha and happiness and the true shift for good immediately, especially today, because today is the second day of Nissan's anniversary, the 100th anniversary of the passing of the Rebbe Rashab. The day of the passing of a tzaddik, the tzaddik's neshama goes to a new, higher place than ever before. And from that higher place, he elicits salvation that comes upon the earth within all of us, all the Jewish people. So may we see this with our eyes. May our see this. And may we see emesa, happiness, and the chama before the Shabbos ready with the coming of Mashiach. Have a wonderful Shabbos.